0: Welcome to Families for Life with
1: Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Manhood Part Two Theology of Men. Welcome back, Brian. What's up, man? Take two. Take two. Take two. We messed up the first plate because it's okay. Spilled coffee. But I wasn't gonna tell them that.
0: It's okay. All right, take two. We're back. Hopefully, you can hear us. Everything's crystal
1: out. clear. Yep.
0: Crystal clear.
1: We do still have coffee, though. We're not giving that up. That's right. So it's that's important. Right.
0: So we're talking about manhood. We yep. had
1: a great intro last week, and so
0: this week we're talking about the theology of men. And but I wanted to know, as we jumped into this, what were some of the misconceptions of manhood that you had growing up?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and uh, I was thinking about it, and I think that. Some of this is not necessarily just misconceptions, but more thinking that this is all that there was to being a man. And so growing up, you know, uh, He-Man was still pretty popular. uh, And that was a big deal, just being super strong, being able to fight monsters you know, do all the all those sorts of things. Uh, you know, my my grandparent or my my granddaddy and my uncles all hunted, so that was a big deal. Hunting and fishing, you got to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, my dad's a marine, so like that that sort of thing was just kind of like that's manly. Um, yeah. And that's not necessarily untrue, but that's not all there is to it. Yeah.
0: Um, me growing up, you know, you think of like '80s and '90s action movies. With Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, yeah. and like, those were the men, yep. you know? And so that's kind of the picture of manliness that you had growing up. Or yeah, if I you don't drive up, a
1: motorcycle and swing a shotgun around shooting things, then you're not a man. Right.
0: <laughs> but as we learned last week, that is not what manhood is about. Exactly. In fact, manhood is not about affinity. It's about identity. So... It's not who we are. It's not one pers- part of our of our uh, personality or, mm-hmm. or our characterism. Characterism, uh, You know, you think about me as a pastor, that's my job. Right. But that's not my total identity. Yeah. I'm also a father. I'm a uh, husband. You know, I have interests. I have all of these things that round me out as a person. You know, number one, I'm a Christ follower. Right. Uh, but I mean, all of these things... Help put together who I am as a person, but even that does not define my my identity because those things can change from from person to person. Well,
1: and through time, even like the things about us change and our our likes and dislikes change over time. And I think that you know the big it it, our identity comes from God, and it's and it's how we apply our identity uh, to all of those different things in our lives, all the different. Uh, areas and and likes, dislikes, um, people that we interact with. That's what makes us men. Yeah, that's
0: right. We actually can't define uh, our identity because we do not create ourselves. That's right. We, we have to go to God to find our identity and discover what he created us to be and to be about. And so that's, that's why we have to look for our identity. I,
1: I think it's super ironic that that's the case. We need to go to God to know... What the creation is like, because as men, you know, it's very easy to just ignore the instructions and get right to the project. And, and that's the thing is like, we've got to go to the designer, we've got to ask the designer, what he designed, how he designed it, what it was designed to do. And that's, we're the thing that was designed. And so we you gotta, have to
0: read the instructions. I usually exactly. throw, throw those out right when I get the project.
1: <laughs> and so we can't do that. How that's... about these extra parts left over? <laughs> no, you're
0: exactly right. So let's look at uh, some scripture here. As we look at the Bible, we understand from Genesis chapters one, chapter two, chapter three, we find what we call the ideal man.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: And that's Adam. Mm-hmm. Adam was created uh, as the ideal man, the prototype man. He was uh, to be. Uh, God's he was God's perfect creation mm-hmm. God's ideal man but this we're talking pre-fall right uh, before sin entered the world <clears throat> and as we look at that we see some some different aspects of it we see uh, first of all things that would define Adam there's four different things that define him and that really define his personhood and really speak to
1: his manliness yeah and it's really important that we understand these things uh-huh. because Adam and Eve, Together, we're created as human beings, and we're going to get to what that looks like, but but this is the pinnacle of God's creation, and so we'll just start with the first part, because I think these go so hand-in-hand. Hand. The first part that shows us what it means to be the ideal man is the fact that we're created in the image of god that's right so we are created so god said that he created all the animals according to their kind but then he comes to men man and and woman adam and eve and he created them both in his image not not according to their kind but according to his image and that's a really distinctive factor. That's a big deal.
0: Yeah, and, and it is both uh it is both Adam and Eve, man and woman, created in his image. We're focusing, of course, on on men, men right. Uh, in this podcast. But <clears throat> we think about this what is the image of God? And there's a lot of debate surrounding this. But if we think about an image of something, it's a it's a representation or it's a facsimile of something. Mm-hmm. And so we are we are made and created to reflect. Uh, God's glory back to him. And so a lot of that is wrapped up in his image that's imprinted on us. That's and right. It comes in the form of our soul, in the way that we are create how we create, how we love, how we uh the spiritual nature of us. And I don't think there's any one thing that you yeah. can point to, but it's it's kind of it's like all of all it. of personhood yeah. wrapped up is reflecting the image of God.
1: That's exactly right. It's so big and glorious, you can't just boil it down to a couple things because it's everything. Right. And so everything about us um reflects who God is, right. and so that's that's one of the things that defines what man is supposed to be. The next one is actually kind of surprising. Maybe is this idea of work. Yeah, there was work
0: before the fall. Adam was uh, instructed to do things in the garden. Uh, now God made the work very easy. Uh, <laughs> in fact, He set everything up. You know, they were together. Their food, gather the fruits and vegetables and things that they were to eat in the garden. They were right there. I mean, God made the garden bountiful and plentiful, but they still had to gather. There was still an aspect of work they had to accomplish. Uh, Adam also had to name the animals. God brought the animals before Adam. Think how easy
1: that was for him to do. Yeah, exactly. But he
0: still had something to do. There was this idea that he was serving and working for the Lord.
1: The way I like to think about it is like work without sin in the world is when you're working and it's just not fighting back against you. You know how like you're trying to get things done and it just feels like everything's fighting you? Well, in the new heavens and new earth and, and like it was in the before the fall, things just didn't fight back. And so you still have things to do, but it just it's just so much better. Yeah, it's not back breaking and, and yeah. spirit breaking. It's so fulfilling. Work. It's so rewarding. Right. I mean everything it's perfect. That's and right. so that's another aspect of what it means to be uh, a man. And really a human being, but but a man in gen you know, for for our purposes. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then in Genesis chapter two, he uh God sets Adam as the authority to have dominion over the earth. Yeah, there to to subdue and have dominion over the earth, and so we have authority over creation. Part of what makes us people, makes us men, is the ability to uh, work and cultivate and control the 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 creation. Yeah. Now I think that speaks to the idea that that we're also to protect the creation. That's right. You know, not to get super like environmentally political whatever because that's a whole nother thing that's a whole nother thing but we are called to be good stewards of god's creation
1: yeah a lot of times we think of authority as just like using something else for our good but you really what authority is is using ourselves for something or someone else's good. And so when we've been given authority over creation, that means we are responsible to care for it. We have to use it for God's glory and his purposes, so we can't just do nothing with creation we can't just conserve everything we have to use it but we also can't just waste it so that means we can't use everything we have to conserve some of it so we have this balance and that's that's a part of being made in god's image he he, there's this term that theologians like to use that's called being a vice regent that means you're like another king and so human beings were made as kings and queens of God's creation. That's why we're also called co-heirs with Christ. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a huge deal, and I think Christians sometimes just neglect this understanding of their role in the world. So we yeah. got to reclaim this.
0: I, I 100% agree. And then the last thing is this idea that we are responsible for our mate. Adam is put in a position where he is he's put in a headship position over Eve, over his family, really. And, you know, once again, this does not speak to Eve's worth or value or how God sees her. They're equal in, in God's eyes and all of those types of things. We're talking specifically about roles and responsibilities. And so someone has to be in charge. And so the husband, the man, is put in charge uh, as, as head of the household, as head over Eve. And so that's really important
1: to understand is that it's not just an authority position, it's a responsibility position. That's right. And again, like this idea, I think the world has this idea that, you know, men, when they are trying to live this out, they're just sitting on the couch and saying, hey, bring me a sandwich. And it's like, that's not the biblical understanding of headship at all. Um, biblical headship is a man serving. You know, it's being like Christ to his wife. That Ephesians five spells this out. And Jesus didn't come to the earth to you know tell everybody what to do. He came to the earth to serve us and to save the church. And so we, in our in our leadership, we're actually servants in our leadership in our in our homes. Well, that's exactly
0: that's exactly right. And, and husbands, we have an authority over us. God mm-hmm. is our authority over us. But as you look at God as the example, God loves us and serves us, and and in a way where He is, He has authority and responsibility. Right. He leads. He makes real he, decisions, right? Yeah. But He also is in a place where He helps us and He and He serves us, and He's right there in the mix with us. And that's how a husband needs to lead. That's exactly so right. so. We have to remember we're under God's authority, and we will answer to Him yeah. for our families the responsibility we have as our families. So, that's right. so here we see. These definitions, this identity of man in the image of God are work, our authority over creation and our responsibility over the family, or we can say
1: maybe headship. Yeah. That's a, that's a loaded term now. Yeah, but it is, but you know, it's in the Bible. I, so I agree. We yeah. believe it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we find these things. This is the essence of manliness to embrace these responsibilities that God has given to us. Um, and so these, you know, these things are very important. We have to live within this definition um, but there's a problem. There's a big problem in the world, and uh, we need to to talk about that. So what, what's that problem, Brian?
0: Yeah, the problem is that there is sin in the world, and as we continue the the Genesis narrative, Genesis chapter three, Adam is or Adam and Eve are are tempted and find themselves in a in a really bad situation, and this has Really bad consequences for every person, especially men, um, but every person ever mm. to live, and we see that that this is a, a huge problem. You know, now Eve gets blamed, right? A lot of times for the um, entering for for sin entering, as she took the fruit, tempted by the serpent, and ate it. But really, if we exa- if we examine Scripture, this was a thing. That Satan knew exactly what he was doing. He was not going after Eve because she was more susceptible to temptation or weaker in any way. He was going after Eve to upset the
1: authority structure that God had put in place. That's exactly right. He's trying to usurp um, the authority that God put in place. He's attacking, um, you know underneath so you know you know you're not going to just go to the person in charge you're going to try to get the people under him to start questioning things and so that's what he's doing and and even Paul you know did not really blame eve that's one of the great things like christianity doesn't blame women he actually says by one man right. sin entered the world um so really adam is the one who's getting blamed here and well, so remember we... he
0: has the responsibility over his
1: exactly family over, that's exactly. over
0: his his wife and so there's the consequences for sin that we see are uh, spiritual death separation from god we see the sacrificial system entered. In fact, God was the one who slay who who killed yeah, that's right. the animals. And um Yeah, that they was, used
1: fig leaves at first to cover themselves because they were right. ashamed. So they were using something. This is great. This has great imagery. They were using something to cover themselves, but it wasn't good enough. And so God had to provide for them what well, think they think about needed.
0: how heartbreaking that is god's new creation he had to murder yeah. his some of these animals you know uh,
1: kill but yes. well kill these some yes. of these animals
0: <laughs> to provide for his right. fallen children yeah and this this is the prototype for the sacrificial system That's your right. sin has now has real world yeah. consequences yeah. these beautiful yeah. animals that god created are are killed now yeah you know there's uh they're driven from the garden Uh, Adam has a curse now his work is very hard it
1: fights back now his
0: work is very difficult he has to work the land it's not just that the fruit trees are going to spring up he has to really work the land and cultivate it to feed his family and provide for his family.
1: Yeah, I think this other one, this this curse that's being put on Eve is really interesting too, um, because she's cursed with a desire. It says she will, she has a desire for her husband, but he will rule over her. And so, I'm just telling you, when you look at marriages, uh, you see this. So this desire, not like, um, not not like a sensual desire, but it's really more a desire to like usurp and rule over her husband, but he will rule over her. And this is where we see all of the brokenness in marriages. Um, we just see uh, roles being flipped on their end and being abused. And uh, and so this is a big problem. We see it in the failed man of Adam and Eve. So. That's
0: right. And so because of this, uh, we are all failed men. Mm-hmm. Every one of us, we inherit the sin of Adam. And it's present in everyone. It's in our very essence, and our our DNA has been compromised, and we are all sinful. Yep. We are all failed, and you know this is seen in so many different ways. I mean, we don't even have to, we don't even have to explain this very much because I think everyone can see this in the world. Even though there are glimpses of goodness, and we can see beauty in the world, it is all. Uh, compromised and and jaded because
1: of the sin that is present. That's right. I mean, it's like you take the image of God and you've and you've you haven't perverted Satan has perverted yes it's messed up and so it might not be it's not completely gone but it definitely is cracked and shattered Mm -hmm. and so we're still seeing you know parts of who God is but not the way it was designed to be shown
0: yeah so there's four big things that that I think that men really struggle with especially and how we see this playing out in our lives and these are things that that will that will keep us from um finding Christ or from submitting to Christ in our lives. And so I think men throughout history have struggled throughout our throughout our literature and our art and our history throughout all of these things we've struggled and we find these pictures really in four
1: men of the Bible That's right And there's there's tons and tons and tons more examples in the Bible But that's what's great about God Is he's constantly showing us It's like with your little child Like constantly trying to help you see where you're going wrong And give you another chance to Like let's look at this again um, To help you see that you, you're not cutting it And so we see it in four key people that we want to bring out And the first one is the man Job Um, We're dealing, he dealt with the idea of the struggle of life and faith, or just suffering. Yeah. You know, life's hard. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing that everybody has to come to grips with. Yeah. And so we see here Job struggling with this. Yeah,
0: quick recap, you know, Job was a religious man. He was a good man that feared God. Many people of this time, this was one of the earliest time periods, maybe even a contemporary of Abraham. We're not exactly exactly. sure, but Mm -hmm. he somehow was found God and was worshiping God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh. And he was he was a very religious man. In fact, he had his own sort of temple, his own sort of uh, place set up where he would worship God on his on his estate. Mm-hmm. And he would offer sacrifices for his children in case
1: they had sinned in their activities. Yeah, and, I think of like a a parent or a grandparent that's just mm-hmm. constantly praying for their kids. I mean, yes. what a what a beautiful sight. And so this is Job living all this out. But then
0: Well, he was also very wealthy. Oh, he, had that's a, true. he had a yeah.
1: very big estate.
0: Uh, he was very blessed by God, and especially at this time, uh, the, the bigger estate you had, the more servants, the more livestock, you were thought to be more blessed.
1: That's right. Yeah, people really saw this, and, and in, a, in a sense, I mean, that's true. Like yeah. Those are all blessings from the Lord. And so he was a, a good guy, but uh, then this thing happened where Satan targeted him. And that's kind of what we see with a lot of uh, people who love the Lord is Satan targets you. And um and God allowed Satan to inflict suffering onto job. And so he's not suffering because he's a bad guy. he's just suffering
0: right. yeah, that's the thing. Job is a good guy, he's a religious man, but he still had suffering. And this is a really hard thing for people to grasp. you know, we think people that are not believers or or not have a, they don't have a biblical worldview may think, well, I'm a good person, why am I? why do i have this go wrong in my life why do i have to suffer and this is a this is a very big sticking point for people they cannot comprehend the fact that <clears throat> suffering exists and still there is a god who loves them a good yeah. god who cares about them and loves them they think those two things are mutually exclusive men especially struggle
1: with this. And that's, that's a, that's the point that, you know, Satan was even trying to make is that, you know, Job's only good because you give him good things. But what God was proving is that people who really love God don't need to have good lives all the time. I mean, they can make it, the love of God can get you through any suffering. Um, But that's the question though, as men, this is what we've got to really wrestle with is, are we okay with the sovereignty of God? Are we okay? Do we love God enough to really trust in the fact that He is fully in control? Like, we're not in control. Uh, And, you know, that's a big problem, I think, for men, especially, is this need to be in control.
0: Right. We want to trust in ourselves and in our own strength, in our own hands, in, in our own abilities. That's right. And when it gets beyond that, we, there's a crisis of faith that happens. And so we have to come to terms with, okay, I, it is out. There are things that are outside of my control. Who do I turn to? Where do I go? And we have to put our faith in God. We have to understand that both the good and the bad or uh, both the good and the bad things that happen to us are under God's control.
1: That's right. And in fact,
0: if we have a biblical worldview, we'll understand that suffering is meant for our good, Yeah. that God uses suffering in our lives to mature us as believers. And
1: we've even talked about that some in a mini episode uh, previously. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a really important thing. But, you know, Psalm 135 says it, he says, for I know that the Lord is great. And that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the depths. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for rain and brings forth wind and from his storehouses. So, you know, God is in control. And when we trust in that and and know that he is doing things for our good, then we don't have to reject him when something bad happens right.
0: and ultimately job learns the lesson of of trusting God and he lives his life by faith
1: that's right and that's
0: the lesson that we all have to come to grips with do we live our life by our own abilities which will ultimately uh, will come up short or would, do we live our life by faith in God every man has to has to make that decision and how they're going to handle
1: that and that's the great thing about the story of Job is he doesn't get his answers. Right. What he gets is God's presence, and all he needed was God's presence to know, oh, oh no, everything's okay. Like, God is way bigger than I thought. And that's what we've got to remember by faith. But this second person that we know about, this is like, the man's man, like I love talking about this person from the Bible because he is just such a great example for men of all generations. And this is, of course, King David, mm. yeah, but
0: he's the quintessential tough and tender, yeah, guy. exactly. <laughs> he would make war and, and fight, write songs about it, <laughs> fight his enemies, and then he was very sensitive, as yeah, well. exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, struggling with self-control is the theme here in David's life. And, you know, it is one of the biggest problems that are plaguing men today. Now it can, it can rear up in so many different ways. It can be in television, video games, social media, food, drinking, lust, pornography, sex. I mean, how many things are there that we could just
1: let our lives just t- take hold of our lives, captivate us, and lose control? Anything. And especially the good things, the socially acceptable things. Right. Like, it can just overrun your life and take co- so control of We are a generation
0: of, of excess. Yes. And men especially we love our excess mm. a lot of times and so we have to rein this in and know you know we see the example of David once again a good man he's called a man after God's own heart uh but there was one time one instance he did not have his passions in control he did not have that submitted to the lord and look where that got him yeah he he lusted after bathsheba he called him to his bedchamber, committed adultery, then conspired to have her husband killed. I mean, it was this whole big cover-up thing. They had the child ended up Dying as a consequence of their sin. I mean, it was just this whole mess.
1: Yeah, and he was a total hypocrite because when he was, you know, confronted with it at first, he didn't even realize that he had been sinning this whole time. It was so blind to it because he just wasn't controlling his passions. Right, and uh, and so that's the thing about it is sometimes it's not even wanting. It's not even wanting something other than what you have. It's really just wanting to make yourself feel good. Right. And that's the problem. And yeah. that's us. I mean, yes. that's, that's us today, right?
0: Yeah. What are we giving away control to in our lives? That's right. We need to think about that. You know, Our purity, our credibility, our integrity, all of that is on the line. And ultimately, those consequences go past us. It's not just it's not just us but it affects our families it affects our jobs our churches our communities we must we must submit to the lord and learn self control from him
1: yeah i mean this this a man without self control blows up a family faster than anything i mean you talk about you can be a you could be a drunk and you could be addicted to video games you could hunt all the time or you could you know just come home and sleep on the couch but if you can't control yourself You're going to just destroy yourself, but you're going to destroy everyone around you. Your children, they're not, you know, it's so important because that's how God designed things. Yeah,
0: and we're going to talk more about this in a little bit when we get to another section, but we have to learn to stand and fight, you know, and we can learn this as well from David. David had David had a lot of courage and faith in the Lord. He stood against so many things yeah. and he stood not in his own power, in his own strength, right. but he was able to stand up against Goliath and he was able to stand up against battles and armies. And when, when people tried to take his throne from him, he was able to do that in the Lord's strength. And that's a lesson for men to say, it's not that we are standing in our own strength. We don't fight these battles in and of ourselves. We fight them with the Lord's strength.
1: In fact, it's when you fight it in and of yourselves, you will fail. I mean, that's what the point of David's life is. Is like Here he is doing everything for the Lord, and he's winning all the time. He does something just for himself, and he, he can't help but lose, and lose in the worst way possible. Right. So we cannot trust in ourselves we cannot do this on our own we need the lord that's right
0: that's right so, so that's the struggle of self-control but then we go right into his his son yeah uh solomon
1: <laughs> yeah he... And this is the struggle
0: with idolatry you know it's always been said the sins of the father will be magnified in the children that's right and i'd see that so much you know where david had a bout of lust Solomon went I mean one crazy the, with went, it. Yeah. One yeah. of the wisest <laughs> men ever to live had um I think he had 300 wives and 700 concubines. Yeah. And it was just it was it was excess to the max. And it led him down the road of idolatry.
1: It makes you wonder like if he's the wisest person in the world then like Wow, we must be really dumb because like, yeah. like he he messed it up bad. And well, so, he had wisdom at one point. He must have he turned did. away from it. Well, and I think in even in this it, is what isn't interesting. that true though? Because we yes. sometimes we know uh-huh. what the right thing to do
0: is. We choose not choose to not do it. to do
1: it. So it's not yeah. His wisdom. He just wasn't living according to his wisdom. But I think also in his failings, he actually gained more wisdom mm-hmm. as well. And so there's a reason why he's in the Bible mm-hmm. is so that we can actually learn from him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He was such a, a wealthy, uh, he was a godly man. Mm-hmm. He, he, he built the temple. He was very wise, very rich, very blessed. But at some point these things begin to take control and he really started to think he was above it all, and yeah. pride set in, and he ended up making these idols in his heart. Yeah. And you can see, even when his his wives or concubines, he allowed them to worship other their own gods, when God had explicitly banned any sort of worship
1: other than the one true living God, Yahweh. Yeah, it's something like... When you're reading the Bible and you see all these stories of people and then you read Solomon, you're like, that seems like a seemingly small problem. Like his wives are doing these bad things, but it wasn't Solomon. But that's the thing. He's letting in these small idols and those things actually can ruin you. Mm -hmm. And so we as men think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And, And I know I'm guilty of that. Like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And it's like, no, no. It actually is a big deal. Any idol, whether big or small, is is absolutely faulty. I mean, yeah. it's going to ruin you.
0: Yeah, we all, I think men especially, women too, but but we're talking about men, right. we have idols in our lives, and we have to examine anything that is taking the place of God or the importance of God in our lives is an idol. Yeah. Anything that we are, uh, you know, letting control us or we are... We're worshiping, not in a physical sense. There's probably not many of our listeners that have like altars set up at their right. home to worship no. <laughs> foreign idols. But how many of us would um, say we're chasing money and success yeah. over what God's will is for our lives? Now, sometimes those two things line up. Sure. But oftentimes we're picking, we're, we're picking, okay, this is God's way to do this. Or I'm doing. I, I'm. I'm not spending time serving my church, right. going to church, investing in my family. Yeah. All those types of things for the this the purpose of chasing success and money.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. You will be tempted, listeners. We know. Uh, we know because we're men and we're people. Like you're going to be tempted to think, oh, this thing that I'm being reminded of by the Holy Spirit right now isn't really that big of a deal. Yes, it is, and you need to you need to hear that. We all need to hear that and really get rid of. We need to tear those idols down because mm-hmm. just like in Solomon's life, they cause a lot of problems right.
0: They can creep into our lives in so many ways. It, it could be as simple as our kids' sports, exactly. I mean, anything that's taking our allegiance away from God, And turning our heart, turning our affections and our hearts away from God towards something else is an idol. Yeah. So ask yourself, what are the idols in your lives? They can be
1: fairly obvious sometimes, and sometimes they can be pretty sneaky. Pretty sneaky. Yeah, quite sneaky, actually. So this takes a lot of prayer and just, you know, evaluating your own heart. Um, But I think one of the best examples I I like a lot, and this was one of the people in the Bible that I kind of uh, thought, like, that was an awesome dude in the Bible growing up, you know. is this uh this worldly man named Samson? Yes. Uh he ever
0: seen his action figure at the at the Christian bookstore? No, I he's haven't. Ripped. He's oh, yeah. ripped. Oh yeah. Well, he yeah. should
1: be. I mean, strongest man in the world, you know. This is a bro. Uh, <laughs> this is a bro. That's what I said. So he's struggling with this worldliness. He's got a lot of anger and lots of other things. It's just this this guy who is completely eaten up with whatever the world says is manly and yeah. that's like that's just a bro like you yeah. know so
0: well he exhibited strength that no one could match and we have to we have to point out that this was because of god's spirit i'm sure he was a strong guy
1: in general, in general, but yeah. when
0: God's spirit came on him, there was nothing he could not do. Yeah. In fact, he slaughtered a thousand men with, a, with the jawbone of a donkey.
1: Yeah, I, that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, um, and so, but it did. I mean, God empowered him to be a mighty warrior. That's right. He also
0: had. Uh, he was also very sinful. He slept around with women. He was promiscuous. He fulfilled all of his manly urges as he wished. Yeah. You know, the problem was, he, here's the issue, Samson was born of a promise. He was supposed to be a judge that was to lead Israel against the Philistine oppression. At the time, God appointed these people. They were kind of like governors, yep. uh, and they were <clears throat> over certain regions and areas of of Israel, of God's people. And so they were supposed to lead them. Samson was born a Nazarite, which means he was supposed to live by a holy standard. He had a calling on his life, but he did none of those things. He did not fulfill (laughs) that. Instead, he used his gifts and talents uh, for himself he what? wasted it on himself Dude. instead of using oh, it for the lord man
1: i just thought about this like what about all you, you see this in pastors especially yeah. who 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 take their calling or supposed calling and use it for self gain and mm-hmm. self you know worth and they just you know run right over people with their you know importance and and the thing about this is what's true of Samson's story is almost always true of our stories yeah. when we live this way, right. it's going to lead to destruction. Yes, and so Samson had all these great things going for him. But but think
0: about this: how many men can we categorize like this? This is Samson. He was angry. Oh yeah. He was jealous and he was vengeful. How many of us are struggling with those things in our lives? And this is part of the reason why we we struggle to find uh, God and to fulfill our roles as as godly men.
1: I think that is so uh, clearly epitomizing what men deal with today. I mean, men are eaten up by worldliness. We all are because because we want – here's the thing. Men want to be men, and we're looking for somebody to tell us what that is. And mm. God is the one who's told us, and we just don't want to do it. That's right. And so we've got to see this. Open our eyes and uh, stop learning from these broken men, and start looking looking to the only man who is a true man. We're gonna to get to that, That's right. I think, yeah. next week. But well, it but wasn't we see until this Samson?
0: Was, it wasn't until Samson was humiliated, he was captured and embarrassed, that he finally come to follow the Lord. He but had to here, be humbled, right? He had to be humbled. Here's the great thing, though: it was his faith that saved him in the end. Samson, one of the worst in the Bible, most sinful person. If you look at Hebrew chapter 11, which is what we call the hall of faith, Mm -hmm. people that were redeemed by God, that had faith in God, Samson's Samson's name is there. there. And so that actually gives us a lot of hope because no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, if we find faith in the Lord Jesus, we can be redeemed. He's right in there with Abraham and Moses And David and Jacob and all of those things. Why? Because our faith heals us and the faith in Christ redeems us. That's right.
1: It's trusting in the one true man that makes us real men. Again, we're going to get to that, but, but it all comes down to getting what you need from God.
0: Yeah. Men cannot hope to live as godly men without Christ. We are fallen. These problems will not go away. I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how what kind of iron will, will you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You will have some failings in your life that you, you cannot overcome in and of yourselves.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of times the toughest, most manly men ever are the ones that have the most deep and and glaring wounds that they just cannot overcome, and it's only Christ that can do these things. And so we as husbands, as fathers, as churchmen, we cannot hope to fulfill those roles without Christ at the center. That's right.
0: So next week, we're going to finish this. We've talked about the ideal man and the failed man. We're going to talk about the redeemed man and what that means for us today, uh, how that how that plays out and what that looks like but you know for today i really just want to recap and say manliness is defined by god right There's no cultural definition. There's no definition in and of ourselves or example of our lives. We've got to look to the Bible
1: and say, what does the Bible say about manliness? That's right. And we have to remember sin has infected us and confused us. It's confused the definition of what a man is, and it plagues us to this day. And it keeps us from fulfilling our identity that was made by God. And so we've got to deal with our sin. This is isn't just a self-help program. This is a purging of our sin, it's, and we need Jesus to do that. It's killing our sin. Yeah, that's right. It's that's Exactly. That's why Jesus had to die. That's right. Exactly. So what can we
0: do? Well, you'll have to tune in next week because we are going to that's talk right. about uh, what the redeemed
1: man but, looks like. But you could read your bible from today
0: to (laughs) next week spoiler alert
1: (laughs) you can do that so definitely do that that's going to be better than what we have to say um but everything that we have to say next week we will be basing on scripture and we hope that you'll be able to listen and uh, we hope that this has been helpful for you that's right so join us
0: next week for part two of theology of man thanks and we'll see you next next time. time most manliest man we can think of chuck Chuck norris Norris. chuck norris built the hospital he was born in (laughs) did you know that the flu has to get a chuck norris shot once a year (laughs) i have heard
1: that's a good one chuck norris doesn't read books He stares him down until he gets the information he wants.
0: Death once had a near Chuck Norris experience.
1: (laughs) If you spell Chuck Norris in Scrabble, you win. Forever. Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck Norris breathes air five times a day.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) In the beginning, there was nothing... Then Chuck Norris roundhouse kicked nothing and told it to go get a job.
0: There's no such thing as global warming. Chuck Norris was cold, so he turned the sun up. (laughs) Chuck
1: Norris, the manliest man we know. (laughs) Chuck Norris, once roundhouse kicked someone so hard that his foot broke the speed of light. (laughs) That's so dumb.
0: Okay, that's enough jokes. Okay, all right.